following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. I'm starting a series today, and we're going to be teaching, preaching uh, on this series for the next three weeks, unless God inspires me to go a fourth week. But we're going to do three weeks. But I want to announce something to you that Wednesday night is a very special night here. Not that all are not special nights, but Wednesday night is going to be a very special night. And if, if you can at all possible be here this Wednesday night, it would be an honor for my family and for this church to see you here on Wednesday. We start at 7.30. We release about 8.30, 8.35, unless we have a, a preacher here that don't know what time to quit. And then we have to train him before he comes back the next time. But we believe in starting on time and finishing on time. So Wednesday night, we're going to have a wonderful, wonderful night. So please, if you can, please be here. Now turn to somebody and say, I'm going to help pastor today. And you may be seated. God bless you. In 1983, engineer Lauren Whitehead published an article in the American Journal of Physics called Domino Chain Reaction. You knock over a single domino. <clears throat> and it knocks over dozens of dominoes in a matter of seconds. In fact, there's Guinness World Records for this. But Whitehead also discovered, he took it a little deeper, that a domino is able to knock over another domino that is one and a half times its size. Or a two-inch domino can knock over a three-inch domino, and a three-inch domino can knock over a four-and-a-half-inch domino. Now stay with me. This is math stuff. By the time you get to the 13th domino, you can knock over the leaning tower of Pisa. There's the picture. Now it's leaning, but you can knock it over. Time you get to the 21st domino, you can knock over the Washington Monument. The 23rd domino, you can waffle the Eiffel Tower. And the 27th, you can knock, knock down Burj Khalifa, the tallest building in the world at 2,717 feet. So, how's that happen, Pastor? Well, I'm fixing to tell you. Math has two kinds of progressions. One is linear progressions, like one plus one equals two, two plus two equals four, and so on. But then there's exponential progressions, like two plus two times two, I mean, equals four, and four times four equals 16, and 16 times 16 equals 256. Thank you. So, if you take linear steps, you take 30 of them, you'll be 90 feet from where you started. But if you take exponential steps, it's different. You take 30 exponential steps and you've circled the earth 26 times. I didn't make that up. Scientists found that out. So there's an old song that says, every breath you take, every move you make, every claim you stake, I'll be watching you. Remember that old 80s song? No, some of you were born in the 90s. I forgot that. But every decision you make, every action you take has a domino chain reaction. And I am saying to this congregation today that linear steps create exponential steps. If you did little things like big things, God has a way of doing big things like they are little things. Welcome to Christian Life Austin today. Give the good Lord a hand clap for the word today already. And I hope you come back every week to catch the next part of this. I want to start today with this. Show me your habits. 
and I will show you your future. You are what you repeatedly do. Destiny is not mystery. It's daily habits. You have to make or break the habits that make or break you. Everyone needs to cultivate domino habits that have high leverage effects. I have no idea what habit you need to break or what habit you need to make, but I do know how it's going to happen. You run a marathon one mile at a time. You write a book one page at a time. You get debt free one paycheck at a time. You get a graduate degree one class at a time. You get in shape one workout at a time without Bluebell. You get sober one AA meeting at a time. You restore marriage one counseling session at a time. And all of that you do it one day at a time. So let's set the scene today, Exodus 14. I love Exodus 14. The Israelites find themselves between a rock and a hard place. The Red Sea's ahead of them. The Egyptian army's behind them. It's a no way out situation. And that's when God gives a counterintuitive command to Moses and all that would hear him. He said, don't be afraid. Stand still and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, what are you crying out to me? What are you crying about? Tell the Israelites to go forward. Can I give you two words today that just ought to help you start this message with me? Go forward. Quit looking back. Quit stepping back. Go forward. It's time for the church to move forward like never before. The Israelites were headed south camped at the fourth station at a place called Pi-Hei-Hei-Ra. Trapped, but I'm not going to say it twice. Trapped between the desert to the west and the Red Sea to the east. And there was no escape route in the Egyptians if they decided to pursue. And that's exactly what they did. Now listen, you got to get this. The Red Sea is 1,400 miles long. It's 174 miles wide. It's 1,600 feet average depth through the sea. Folks, that's not a kiddie pool. As some people who write against the Bible would want to tell you in times past, that's a big old honking sea. <laughs> you hear me? You can't walk across it. You can't swim across it. You can't even see the other side. When the Israelites came to the Jordan River 40 years later, they could see the other side. When they stepped in, they knew how far they had to swim if the water didn't part or how far they had to go. But you couldn't see the other side of the Red Sea. But we have taught this here in this church for a long time, and I want to say it again. Faith is taking the first step before God reveals the second step. Amen. But let me add a little depth to that. Sometimes faith is taking the first step even when you cannot see the other side. There's a legend in Judaism about a man named Nashon. It's legend. It's history. It's in the rabbinical history of, of the Israelites, and it's also in the Talmud. He only gets one begat in the Bible. He begat a man named Solomon. But it's a pretty big begat because he's King David's great, 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 great grandfather. And the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. David inherits a faith that causes him to kill a giant one day called Goliath. According to the Talmud, when the Israelites are trapped between the desert and the Red Sea, God tells them to go forward, 
but no one wants to go first. That's deep water. Seems like a death wish. And while the leaders are complaining, blaming, arguing, one tribe against another, Nashon steps up and wades into the Red Sea like Aquaman. <laughs> I guess you've seen that movie. Now, according to rabbinic, rabbinic tradition, Nashon wades into the water to his chin and up to his nostrils. And God makes a sidewalk through the sea because that's about the time that Moses stretched forth his rod and God parted the waters. In fact, the psalmist said he converted the sea to dry land. Evidently, God saw that sea as something that's gonna make people be lost. So he converted it to dry land and said, now y'all walk on. He had a salvation movement right there on that sea. I'm here to declare, when God gets ready to move for you, he can change water for you. He can change the air for you. He can change the temperature for you. God can do anything. I think David heard these bedtime stories hundreds of times. That act of courage had an epic genetic effect on David. Wow, it was woven to his DNA. It was poured into his consciousness, the legacy inherited. Can I challenge every one of you today you need to live your life in a way that is worth telling stories about. Come on. If you do, you just might have a domino effect to the third and fourth generation. Now we'll revisit the Red Sea in a little while, but let me talk about these habits. There's an old axiom. If you want to walk on water, you gotta get out of the boat. But I'm going to take it a notch lower. If you want God to make a sidewalk in the sea, you have to wade into the water. Anybody afraid of the water? Anybody afraid that God can't take care of you when you do something in an act of faith? So I want you to do something. I want you to pick a habit, any habit. Could be five minutes of meditation in the morning. Could be early morning prayer. Could be seven minutes of Bible reading, maybe a new diet. Mm-hmm. Could be three gratitudes a day. I'm sorry, folks. I, I've been making fun of me my whole life. Could be getting in shape. Could be sit-ups or push-ups. If you can do one, that'd be great. Try two tomorrow. Could be planking. Could be better eating habits. A two-inch domino. A two-inch domino. Experts in habit forming and breaking say it takes 21 to 254 days to break or make a habit. It depends on the person. Depends on the habit. But I'm telling you, this series is long enough to get a winning streak going in your life. So you need to pick a habit. So you got one picked in your mind, one I need to break, one I need to make. You got one in your mind? Now let's, let's talk. Let's preach a little bit, okay? You gonna help me? Then you gotta 3M it. You gotta 3M it. You gotta make it measurable. You gotta make it meaningful. And you gotta make it maintainable. Say it with me. Measurable. Meaningful. Maintainable. Now, let me say something. Losing weight. Getting in shape, getting out of debt, those are hopes, not habits. <laughs> There's no 70-pound peel you can take on Monday and be 70 pounds lighter on Friday. And there's no couch potato marathon person. And people aren't ready to write you a $50,000 check to get you debt-free. You have to budget, you have to count calories, and you have to start jogging. Because a goal without a deadline is called a wish. 
And once you make it measurable, now it's manageable. So let's go to the second part. You have to make it meaningful. Everybody say meaningful. meaningful. Habit formation has to be discipled at the level of your desire. You must become part of your identity. One way to make things meaningful is to do it for someone else that you love. I have done a lot of stuff in my life, and I'm not going to tell you what it is. A lot of stuff in my life for my sweet wife, Patty. We've been married 40 years, and she keeps saying, baby, you need to do some more stuff for me, okay? <laughs> no, she doesn't. No. We've been married 40 years, and we're celebrating 40 years this whole month, and I love my sweet wife. But have you ever thought about your kids? You ever thought about your kinfolks? You ever thought about people that look to you as a leader, as somebody in the family? Maybe you need to make it meaningful for them. My dad, my dad was an uneducated man. He got his high school diploma when he was 71 years old. He fought in the war. He left school his junior year in high school to go fight in World War II. He was a, quite a warrior. But he changed his ways when he come home from the military after the war. When he and my mom got married, he knew his boys were going to be born. He knew that Eddie was already there and I was coming. And my dad did something between the birth of Eddie and the birth of myself. He quit smoking. He quit drinking. And he quit pool hustling. My daddy was the pool hustler of western Oklahoma. And he never talked about it to us. But I'm so glad I never challenged him to a game of pool. Some need to make or break a habit for your spouse, your kids to the third and fourth generation. And then the third thing, you finally, you need to make it maintainable, something you can stay with. Now let me tell you a little story. I used to, I used to preach a lot of camps around the country and, and it was an honor to do it and I'd go places and I was a part of an organized religion then, organized faith and, and so I'd, I'd go preach and, and, and there was a man that I would team with, he was the Bible teacher about the time that I did work with him, he was probably 72 to 75 years old. He was an older man. And, and, and we'd go to the gym sometime and work out. I was real interested in it then, you know. Now I'm interested in a fork and a spoon and bluebell. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm doing good. Chris is helping me. I'm doing good. But we'd go work out. We'd go work out. And I would go play ball because I love basketball. I've, I've been a basketball nut for a long time. And I'd go play basketball and and, uh, and he would go and hit the punching bag. He'd put on gloves, hit the punching bag. 72, 73, 74. And I said, Elder, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm doing two things. He said, I'm keeping myself in shape because I don't like people walking up at church and hitting my arm and feeling flab. <laughs> and he said, secondly, when I hit this bag, I'm hitting the devil right in the nose. And I say, stay away, not today. Not today, not today. And I said, well, hit him for me. And he reared back one day and hit him real hard because he wanted me to know that he was still growing at 75 years old. He was still making contact with his dreams, with his desires and making his habit work. I love it. Now, some of you give prophetic words, some get prophetic words, but if you ever get a prophetic word, you still have to cultivate some things in your, on your ends to stay in that word. So I'm going to give you three building blocks up front. Number one, all of us are creatures of habit. Say amen to that. All of us. Number two, habit formation is spiritual formation. Number three, the Holy Spirit is key when it comes to habits. Say amen to that. Now, I always set my alarm clock 
to an even number. I don't know why, but I always do. I just like, I guess I like even numbers. And there's something else that I do. When I go on trips, I set my clock back to the time that I come from. I don't set it to the time I'm at. I still say, well, it's three o'clock in Austin right now. That's the way I do it. That's a habit that I put in my life. Now, I want to ask you, are there any people that set their alarm to odd numbers? How many even people we have out there? The rest of you are odd then, okay. <laughs> I always put my pants on left leg first, right leg second, but I put my shoes on right foot first, left foot second. It's weird. When I put my contacts on right eye, left eye. When I take them off, right eye, left eye. When I go to sleep, right side. Then when Patty's good to sleep, left side. <laughs> consciously or subconsciously, all of us act in predictable patterns called habits. It's a great mystery. Some of them are as old and as adaptive strategies that you cultivated as a kid to perhaps get attention. And some of them are nuanced as the defense mechanism you deploy to protect your ego. We use these fancy words like heuristic bias, the tendency to act the way you've always acted, to do the way you've always done it, but it boils down to this. All of us are creatures of habit. Duke University <clears throat> turned out a survey, 45% of our behavior is automatic, and that's not bad unless it's bad habits. <laughs> habits are how we put things on repeat without that ability to automate. We would have to relearn everything every day. That'd be a bad thing. Habits give us tremendous time and energy. But that savings comes with at a cost. When something becomes second nature, you don't give it a second thought, do you? That's when, where and why, we need to deconstruct our daily habits and then reconstruct them. Now that sounds simple. But even the Apostle Paul had struggles hacking his own habits. Listen to him. This is a funny scripture. This is funny. He said in Romans 7, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate to do. I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, I do. This I keep on doing. <laughs> it's kind of like that poem, how much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood, you know? It's just a tongue twister. Paul was so aggravated at himself, and we are too. And if Paul can be frustrated and admit that he has problems, we need to admit that today. We need to go ahead and say, all right, I'm not better than him. We need to admit the fact that we have some issues too. But you know what? We're going to come out of those issues today. We're going to come out of those issues today in the name of the Lord. Clap your hands real big and rejoice in that. Well, sometimes we're not that good at connecting the cause and effects in our lives. Not only were we born on a battlefield of good and evil, the battle rages inside of you and me. Why do I keep drinking past the point of drunkenness? Why do I keep losing my temper? Why do I keep looking at pornography? Why do I always seem to sabotage my success? Why do I always gain back the weight that I lost? That's the one I think about. <laughs> Let me preach here. We're born with two hard drives. One is called flesh, synonymous with the sin nature. The other is called spirit. And these two things are at odds with each other. If you continue to do what you've always done, you'll continue to get what you've always gotten. Galatians 5 said, for the flesh craves what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. 
Paul is describing this eternal tug of war in his soul. And it begs the question, are you feeding the flesh and starving the spirit? Or are you feeding the spirit and starving the flesh? If you're feeding the flesh, it doesn't satiate the desires, does it? It doesn't. It actually creates stronger cravings. And eventually it becomes what we call addiction. And when I'm preaching against addiction, it's not as easy as I'm preaching against habits today. So I'm trying to stop people from becoming addicted to things that will damn your soul and take you out of here the wrong way. I'm trying to get you to make habits today that will create a cacophony of things in your life that will be a blessing to your kids and their kids and their kids. I've had a lot of compliments on our anniversary. Thank you. I've got a beautiful wife out, kicked my coverage. She's gorgeous. She's beautiful. She's wonderful. And we've got three lovely daughters and three wonderful son-in-laws. I didn't think that about them when they first married my girls, but now that we have grandkids, <laughs> I think that about them. But one of the joys of my life is to look at my children and say, they walk in the truth. They love God. I told him one time, I said, if I decide to do anything else besides what I'm doing, if I decide to walk away from the church, you girls will be the first out there getting me say, Daddy, get on back in here. Yeah. I love the fact that I've put that and my wife has put that into our children. That's my greatest success. I love pastoring this church. I love being with y'all. But my greatest success is seeing children that call the Lord their God. Amen. Amen. Hey, it's not too late in your world. It's not too late in your life. Turn those children around. Become a habit-making man and woman. That'll create wonderful things. I didn't mean to go off on you like that. Forgive me. So Paul, so Paul talks about becoming creatures of instinct, reduced to animal instincts. Let me give you some good news here, right here. The spirit that God gives, gives us the ability to override those desires, to override the flesh. God's spirit is greater than our flesh. God's power is greater than our flesh. The second building block is habit formation is spirit formation. Theologian Cornelius Plantinga said, you sow a thought, you reap a deed. You sow a deed, you reap a habit. You sow a habit, you reap a character. If you're struggling with bad habits or habitual sin, I know this hits close to home and here's what happens. This is the last thing we want, this church is not about this. I'm not trying to send you on a guilt trip, but I want to tell you something. It's not good. But the goal is freedom in Christ. That's the goal. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But watch this. But I have come that you might have life, and that more abundantly. In fact, in John 8 and 36, if the Son is make, makes you free, you shall be free indeed. We had one of our greatest conversions years ago in an old building next door that we used to call the A-frame. There was a New York call girl that came to our church one day, just saw it passing by and drove in. and She had fallen in love with one of her tricks up there in New York City, and, and he was not a good person. He was on the lam, although he was a sitcom writer, he was, they were into drugs. They were drug dealers and they were, they were doing big time drugs. And she found the church, a beautiful lady, a gorgeous lady. And when I read that scripture one night, teaching and preaching, she said, I want to be free. She read, I want to be free. And I thought, oh God, I hope this works because I'm preaching 
that you're going to make people free. And I went to her and took her hand, and God set her soul free that day. The Holy Spirit came down on her, and God set her free. So I know that God can do in a moment what you've been fighting for for a long time. He can do it instantly. He can do it instantaneously. God is not slow when it comes to your needs in your life. Amen? So, so I, I want to I say something. The, the significant breakthroughs in part because of neuroimaging, I'm fascinated by that, but can I say this? There's an old, these are old as a Sermon on the Mount. In other words, these things that we're trying to break through. I want to call these things I'm about to read six antitheses. I, I want to read them to you. It's a Sermon on the Mount. Love your enemies. Pray for those that persecute you. Bless those that curse you. Turn the other cheek. Go the extra mile. Give the shirt off your back. That's six of them. These are not just counterculture, counterintuitive, but they're counter habits. The best way, folks, to break a habit is to make a habit that replaces that habit. Amen? You gotta make a habit that replaces that. You can't say, you know what? I think I'm gonna stop this stuff. I'm gonna stop it. You can't. You gotta find something that's better than that. Some of you, some of you old boys out there, I look, I love the fire out of you. You're like my brother, but you, you know what? You probably needs a good woman in your life. Amen. And some of you women, uh, you might think about the other way too. You know what I'm saying? Because sometimes you just need something better in your life. I, I, wanna, I wanna preach something to you. There's nothing better in your life than Jesus Christ. Nothing, nothing. There's no habit worth Jesus. There's no habit that's worthy of Jesus. There's nothing that you have that's greater than Jesus Christ. So if you want something in your life, I read through the Bible and everything I see, when Jesus touched somebody, he didn't take it away, he gave him something special. And so God wants to give you something special today to turn your habits that are breaking you down into glorious habits that are building you up. Come on, clap your hands real good. I'm almost finished. And the third is what I call the building block of the Holy Spirit. It's key when, we, when it comes to habits. The best way to break a bad one is to get a good one. It's called habit switching. Now, I want, I want to read you some things. I, I, this is beautiful. I found this in the book of Ephesians, and, and I want you to go home and read this when you get home today. But the word instead is used often in Ephesians. Now, it's not in the King James. You've got to find other references and other, other ways to, to read it, some other, some other references. But let me read Ephesians to you, Ephesians 4 and 14. We will not be influenced by people who try to trick us by lies. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. That's habit switching. That's operating on God's spirit. Now, 28, if you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, Use your hands for good work and give generously. Is that tough or what? Basically, do the opposite. 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, harsh words, and slander. Instead, be kind to each other. Hey, everybody put a smile on your face right now. Try that. That works. And then Ephesians 5, do not get drunk with wine. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs. See, the best defense is a good offense. You don't stop sinning by not sinning. You need a vision that's bigger and better than what you are trying to resist. And the addiction 
you're trying to overcome, you need to be spirit-filled and spirit-led. I don't know how else to say it, folks. The internal presence of the Holy Spirit in your life must be greater than the external pressure of trending hashtags and face, Facebooks and social media algorithms and political correctness. Self-help will not get you there. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. Go ahead. If you need counseling, get, get counseling. Most of us need that. But spend time at the altar with God. Get into God's Word. Get into God's presence. Get in a Freedom Life group here at the church. Well, that freedom's great. So, let me finish. Randy, if you'll help me. Let's double back to the Red Sea. I had read about Nashon from the Talmud. I never saw the distinct honor he holds in Scripture. So he wades into the Red Sea, and then he disappears seemingly in Scripture. But he reappears in Numbers chapter 7. The tabernacle had just been built in the wilderness. That was God's first church. And there's 12 days set aside for the 12 leaders in the 12 tribes of Israel to bring gifts for the dedication. And guess who gets to go first with their gift? Nashon. Numbers chapter 7, verse 12. The one who brought his offering on the first day was Nashon, the son of Amenadab of the tribe of Judah. What an incredible honor. It's like throwing out the first pitch in a major league baseball game. Swearing in a president. It begs a question. Judah is the fourth tribe, the fourth son born. Why did he get to go first? It goes all the way back to the Red Sea, folks. He walked into the water. He exercised his faith in God. Amen. And the domino chain reaction, he gets to be first with his gifts. You know, many of us, we come to our Red Sea, we see red. There's no, this is, no where, we, this is where we stop. It's the end of the story. It's give up time. No, 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 no. This is where people of faith wade into the water and they walk. And we believe in a God who can make sidewalks through the sea. Almost anyone can accomplish almost anything if they work at it long enough, hard enough and smart enough. The key is domino habits. This little old two-inch domino I hold in my hand is so awesome. It's so awesome. My dad, my dad and mom taught me how to play dominoes when I was just a boy. We had no TV in our home. That's another thing mom and dad made a decision on. I didn't like that one. Because I like my, I like to watch my Dallas Cowboys. But I look at this little old domino here. Now let me, let me close, let me put a, let me put a cap on this. This little domino here. You saw, you saw the pre-row, you saw the trailer. That little one hit a bigger one, a bigger one, a bigger one, a bigger one. If you keep making good choices in your habits, you're going to get bigger in your spirit, bigger in your spirit, bigger in your spirit, bigger in your spirit. And before you know it, before you know it, before you know it, you're going to be taking out strongholds. You're going to be bringing down principalities. You're going to be bringing down powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. But it just takes one decision. One decision today. Just one little two-inch decision today. That's all it takes. And you get into that, the algorithms of all of that exponential steps. And before you know it, 13 steps later, you take out a, a leaning tower. Another eight steps, you take out a monument that's been holding you down. And another set, six steps, you take out the highest building that's been trying to hold you back.
because you found something that you believe is worthwhile. Folks, here's what I'm trying to say. You need to get sold out with this Jesus principle in your life. You need to start making wonderful decisions for him. So what two-inch decision do you need to make today? What do you need to make? You need to pick a habit, any habit. And you need to say, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go all in. I'm going to wade into the water. I'm going to have kids. That's going to be giant slayers. I'm going to have children. Whoo. I felt something when I said that. I'm going to have children that are going to be mighty warriors because I stepped into the water. Would you stand all over the house? I want to ask our prayer partners to come. We didn't pray in the first of service because I wanted to pray in the end of service. Prayer partners, would you come? And we're going we're gonna to open this altar up for people that just might want to say, you know, I need to break a habit. I need to make a habit today. And I want to make a decision today. A decision. This domino has eight, 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 eight digits on it or whatever you call them, eight dimples. And it didn't bounce off. Thank you, Lord. Three on this side are the blood. Five on this side are, are blue. These are red. These are blue. This will get you to heaven. This will get you there. So I picked the five and the three because I wanted you to understand that you make a decision today and next week make it another decision to go behind that one and another one to go behind that one. Before you know it, you're conquering things you never thought you could conquer. You're, you're absolutely demolishing everything that comes against your spirit. Let me bless you. Dear Father, in the name of the Lord, I bless these people. I honor them and I thank you for them. And I bless you because you are our Savior. There's nobody like you. Now, I love what you're doing in this house. I love what you're being in this house for us. But Lord, take a hold of people's desires today and let them walk not linear steps. Let them walk exponential steps so that everything will double. Everything will be blessed. Everything, a double portion will come upon their spirit and on their soul. Bless them. Bless this house in the name of the Lord. And bring us back Wednesday night. And bring us back next Sunday for another dip and to do it for a day. I love you. I love these people. And thank you for this now in Jesus' name. And everybody clap your hands. Receive the word today. Receive the word today.